Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast here in our Nation Network uh, studios in Marta Loop, and I'm excited to be here. Third episode, trying to figure this out on the go, but um, I don't know, so far so good. We have a fun episode today. Um, first off, we've got Ian Busby, longtime sort of Calgary Herald um, and Sun reporter. He covered the, the Calgary Stampeders, and honestly, he's one of the, the smarter guys I know when it comes to talking about football, uh, so we're going to have him on, and we're just going to Kind of going to talk about the stamps, what we saw in week one, as well as uh, preview tonight's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, as best we can. It's a, sort of a big one, an important one for the stamps after they fell to the Lions. Um, after that, we've got Charleston Hughes coming on. Um, obviously, an all-time great, a guy who is going to have his number. I well, I don't know if he's going to have his number retired, but you know he'll have his name on the sort of wall of fame for the Stampeders. So really excited to talk to him. I, to be honest, don't have that much of an idea about what we're going to talk about. We are just going kind of going to hear what he is up to. I know that uh, I don't think he is formally retired or anything. So I think he's still looking for work. We are going to go right now to Charleston Hughes and then Ian Busby. All right. We got Charleston Hughes coming up here in just one second. Before we do, uh, this guest is brought to you by uh, Fraser and Fig. And I just want to thank them real quick. Uh, located at 2010, 34th Avenue Southwest, uh, you know, they do ready-to-go cheese and charcuterie boxes that are curated with local and artisanal ingredients. Um, guys, I'm not kidding. This stuff's amazing. They've got four sizes every occasion. Um, all the boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. And, you know, their selections vary month to month, but definitely worth checking out. Fraser and Fig want to thank them. And now let's go to Charleston Hughes, man. I'm super excited. Charleston, buddy, how you doing? I'm all right, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you at right now? Man, in my office. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice office, man. It looks like a sauna. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, trying to keep it cozy. Man. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Um, Got to ask, just before I start asking anything about you, I, I know you played with Derek Dennis. I know you guys are pretty good friends. Uh, thoughts on seeing him retire today? I was a little surprised, not going to lie. Um. I don't know, man. I just it, it. There comes a time when you just got to do what you got to do, especially when it's for the best of your family. And I think that's probably what the decision was in his head. And when you get toyed around a lot like that, and you're on the team, and then you're not on the team, and you know you thought you were doing good during training camp, and then you you end up things end up going south. And it's one of those things where it's like I don't know. Enough is enough, I guess, for him. So. 
when it's time, it's time. You just yeah. got to adapt and roll with the punches, I guess. It's also one of those things where I like don't think people realize the amount of time and effort it takes to keep in shape. And when you've already, like when you're not getting paid and you're just hoping an opportunity might come, like it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, man, to stay in shape. I mean, the thing is, is even when you're done playing football and you retire, you walk away from the game, you're still gonna have to stay in shape. I mean, yeah, so to some to some aspect, you're still gonna have to work out, you're still gonna have to train, you're still gonna have to maintain your health. So the thing is, is you probably won't have to force yourself to do it, but you'll still have to do it. So for you, what's going on? Are you still staying in game shape? I'm still staying in game shape, still, you know, waiting my opportunity. The minute I have a opportunity, I'll try to, you know, weigh my options too at that point. Um, I planned on this being my last, my last season, regardless if I'm on a team or not. I'm not playing no more after this. I'm I'm pretty content on you know, doing what I'm doing now. Um, I'm happy where I'm at. So the thing is, is I am working out. I am training. I'm working out as though I'm going to play a season. So if my name is called, my name is called. If not, then I'll continue to work out. I'll continue to train. I'll, as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to train some kids and, and, you know, put them through a workout and, you know, work on life after football, which I've already been doing since I started my career. So, I'm in a position where I'm not stressed. <laughs> no, I mean, it's one of those ones. I don't, how many do you have in your career sacks at this point? Um, I think I lost count. I think I got about 137, 135, somewhere in there. Would it, like, is there a number that you would leave? Like, you got to be satisfied with that number, is I guess what I'm saying. Like, getting Man, a few I'm, more would be I great. I definitely but... wasn't, I'm definitely wasn't satisfied, especially because of the last, how the last, I would say, two, three years went, ever since COVID. You know, COVID kind of derailed everything for me, at least. Yeah. Um, I'd be laughing at sitting top three, possibly top one right now, if it wasn't for COVID. And the thing is, is that kind of derailed my career. And I mean, would I want to be number one overall? Yes. Do I think I put forth a performance to be number one overall? Hell yeah. And the <laughs> thing is, is that do I think I still have the potential to put up double digit sack years? Hell yeah. It's just I, just opportunity and a coach's vision. If the coach don't visualize me in a certain way and see me producing like I produce, then the thing is, is, man, I can't change anybody's mind. I mean, even throughout my last season, I just played. Man, I only had four sacks in that season. But if you put that into perspective, the amount of times I touched the field, man, I felt like I was just as productive as any other starter in the league. If I started, I would have had 16 battling with Lemon for <laughs> defensive player of the year with the rest of those guys. But my playtime opportunity wasn't there, so – That'll be a big, you know, thing for me is playtime. I have to play. I just got to play. Long yeah. as I play, long as I play, I'll produce. That's the only thing that holds me back. Well, it's interesting. Like you brought up the COVID year, and I think that's one of those ones that, like, I kind of hadn't thought about. But like, how many did you get in 2019? Like, you got double digits in 2019 for sure, right? Yeah, I had double digits in 2019. I had I led the league in sacks again four years consecutive. Yeah. And then the thing is, is COVID happened right after that. So I led the league in sacks for four years consecutive straight and then COVID. 
Yeah. So let's assume that you get, let's say like minimum 12 that year. Like suddenly you are looking at top three for sure. Yeah. Right? I'm, if I get 12 sacks, I'm within 10 from. <laughs> not say. Yeah. From being number one overall. So the thing is, is yeah, man, stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, have you this off season, like, did you sort of assume that it would potentially you'd have to wait a little bit? I know that there are guys who they understand that it might not be first day of free agency. Was this sort of what you were expecting? I was expecting it, man, because the amount of young guys that are out there and the league is kind of transitioning right now. You can see it. I mean, you got to be for the players that have been around for a long time. You can see when a shift in the league starts to happen. And there's a shift in the league that's starting to happen right now, and you can see it. I mean, there's no if ands, buts about it. I mean, you just got to kind of roll with the punches and, and let things play out how they play out. I've already, you know, kind of had in my head I'll be one of those guys that would be brought in, you know, after they see all the young guys play and see what they bring to the table, and then they know they can bring me in, and they know I'll hit the ground running being the same Charleston I've been, you know, throughout the years. So I anticipated that happening. So it's one of those things where, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I kind of felt like that was gonna, how it was going to be. Enough. When you say shift, do you mean like generational from like one age group to, to a younger age group, basically? Yeah. I mean, you know, throughout my career, I, I've always paid attention to the shift in the league or – the way the league transitions in and out of each season. One season, it's an up sack year. One season, it's a down sack year. Like, and every single year, it'll go, somebody will jump out and get 18 sacks, and the next year will be, the leader will be 11 sacks, and the next year will be 19 sacks, and the next year it'll be 11 sacks lead the league in sacks. So each and every year, it transcends back up and down, up and down. More teams are running, more teams are passing, more teams are stacking the box. And it's just like all the, all the coaches kind of play off each other that way. And just like last year, last year was more of a up sack year for a lot of people. Now watch this year, it's gonna be a stack the box. Probably gonna be a low sack type of year. So it bounces around and now I think it's one of those kind of years where it's the year of everybody wants to take shots on the, on the younger players and the young guys to see if they can pan out. And, you know, most a lot, all teams aren't doing that. All teams don't follow that same trend, but yeah. most teams do. They follow a trend where they want to take shots and try to see if it works out. And if it works out, it works out. And kudos to them. Good scouting team. But That's if it cool. don't work out, then you got to go back and find a – the savvy veteran where I know they're going to make plays that I know what they're going to give me. It's why I'm like, honestly, like with you, but also like with, with lemon, I'm just so surprised that he doesn't have a job right now. Cause you know what you're going to get from Sean lemon. Right. And like, you know what the product production you're going to get. So it's, it's surprising to me that a guy like that doesn't have a job right now too. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. It's surprising, man. And I feel, I feel bad for him because it's, it almost makes you feel disrespected. This almost makes you feel like the league doesn't value certain things. It almost makes you feel like, I mean, <laughs> really that, you know, he all the work that he put in, you know, last year was, I wouldn't say it was for nothing because he, he made some great accomplishments because of that. But I think all that work he put in 
the team just didn't value it like they like they should. And I mean, I've seen it happen before. I mean, the thing is, is I've put in a season like that before where I thought I was supposed to be defense player of the year and I was laughing and I wasn't. So the thing is, is it happens, man. I mean, some sometimes your talents get overlooked. And when someone has a vision of you, it's hard to wipe away that vision. Yeah. I feel like there's just stories that, like, I don't know. I There's certain positions where it's just everyone decides this guy's the best. This guy, and it's just that gets repeated year after year after year. And I'm not going to name anyone specific. But for you right now, and, like, who do you think is the best defensive end in the league, like, right now? I mean, right now, after watching, you know, this first game go by, I would 100% say Willie Jefferson is moving at a totally different speed than I've seen him move in all the years past. And I think something lit a fire in him <laughs> because yeah. I can see the way he's moving. I can see the way he's pass rushing. I can see he's put in a hell of a lot of work in the offseason. And I can see big things coming from him this year. I can tell by the way he's moving, he's moving way different than I've ever seen him move, you know, at least pass rushing in the past so i'm hoping to see great things from him, man and i hope he continues to to just hold the pace that he's holding right now because coming out with that kind of energy that can just spring you out through the rest of the season yeah um you don't have to answer this but if calgary called would you consider coming back 100 percent. good yeah i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't say no because that's one of the hot spot teams where i feel like you know, I, I want to end my career. I want to play my last season there. And, and you know, I'll probably walk away and, and look for the sunset and walk into it. Because you're tied <laughs> for the all-time leader for sacks here, right? Like, I want you to get that one more. I wanted that for you in 2017. <laughs> like, like um, and I know, like, you know, I, I, I don't think in, in the immediate aftermath, I don't think you were particularly happy with the Stampeders. But, like, you're one of those guys who like, I know is going to end up on the wall of fame. So it's like, I think it would be perfect, to be honest. Yeah, man, I, you know, that one sack just dangling over my head like that. I mean, it, I, I would really, really want to get that one sack. And that's one of the goals that I did set out to get. I know to be an all-time sack leader and to be tied with one of the greats like Will Johnson, man, is, is an awesome accomplishment. But to be number one overall is the ultimate, you know, accomplishment. And the thing is, is, you know, if I can't, get the opportunity to lead the league in sacks and I'm only top five right now. I still feel like that's awesome, man. I've done more than, than, yeah. than most You're probably could even dream five. of. Top yeah. Five. Only top five. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> top five all time. That's not, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, um, well, man, I just wanted to have you on check in. I know Sam's fans are going to be happy to hear from you. So thank you so much for, for joining man. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I enjoyed it a lot. You caught me in my office. You got to see uh, my wood panels. I know. It's <laughs> I got two computer screens in front of me right now, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> That's unreal, man. Well, um, yeah, it, it's honestly a better background than most any other guest I've had, so it, it looks <laughs> cool. So, um, well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you out on the field again. So uh, really appreciate you. Thank you. Can't wait. Awesome. All right, and that, again, was brought to you, that guest, by uh, Fraser and Fig, who uh, are here in Marta Loop, 2010 34th Avenue Southwest. Uh, 
these guys honestly man like their charcuterie boxes um and cheese boxes are unbelievable uh it's all local all artisanal and you know they've got four sizes that suit every occasion um they've got meat cheese dried fruit fresh fruit nuts olives pickles carrots everything you could want and uh we just want to thank them again for for uh, sponsoring us today ian busby i'm Hi, trying to think hello danny Austin. Hello, how are hello, you ian busby I'm, I'm good man how are you <laughs> i'm doing great yeah um thanks for the invite yeah i, I mean it's funny that. like so i okay we should introduce you to people who may not know but i think anyone who has covered the calgary stampeders for or followed the stampeders for a long time will know who you are um maybe i don't know it's yeah. been a little while since you've covered the team full-time um, uh full-time full-time yes yeah uh, 2000 12 was my last full-time season, but I was covering them up until 16. So. Yeah, you were doing work with three down until about 16, right? Yeah, and yeah. the Calgary Herald. And the Calgary Herald. Yeah, sure. so, and then uh, I focused on my other media jobs, which then ended, and then now I'm kind of on the outskirts of the media, but I'm still around. Yeah. And uh, you can still hear my voice on radio in this town occasionally. So when I moved to Calgary, my first full-time media job in Calgary was at the Calgary Sun. Um, and you were the stamps guy and you have yeah. since i started started in 2016 um covering the team for the papers um you have been an invaluable resource to me well so. and uh and i always say it was like how do you why are you friends with danny i'm like he has my old job that's why yeah and he's done way better at it than i ever i don't know why so. people are asking why we're friends <laughs> I'm, I'm a great friend everyone just wants to be friends with me. no um, it wasn't why we're yeah, friends we, how do we know each how other? do we know each other yeah so Fair. we used to work together and you have my old job yeah so yeah. Um, so I don't know, like we also, like we'd done a little bit of podcasting together a couple of years ago. And when the idea for live from the 155 came up, yeah. um, we, you know, we were trying to figure out a way to incorporate you and then, you know, our schedules are trying to kind of make them align. Right. Um, I want you on as often as possible, but, um, I don't know. It's just, it's good to have you here, man. And it's, you're one of the smarter people I know about Canadian football. And I think that you have a real sense of the history, uh, particularly of sort of the entire Huffnagel era. So, well, and that's the thing, like I, I was covering the team full time when John Huffnagel came in as the GM and head coach. So I watched this whole thing transpire and seeing, you know, getting, it's funny now I see guys at the stadium when I, I go and I'm like, there's, you know, old player. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And it was like, Oh yeah. You know, it's like, remember when I played, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I was there for your drafting. And then yeah, all that kind of, so I, I followed the team all the way from, you know, my first year covering, in any capacity was the 2004 season, which was the Matt Dunnigan head coach GM year where they went four and 14. It was a bit of a mess. That's yep. the easiest way to say it. Then the team got bought by the uh, Forzani group and then it was transferred over to the flames. And so I've seen this whole thing for the last, Oh God, is that 20 years already? Yeah. Jeepers. Okay. So I, I mean, I think that obviously you were you and I were texting a little bit during the game, the, the yeah. home opener, and I, I wasn't sure how much to bug you. Um, you know, I'm very. I, I was one of the I few just, people that was sitting in the stands. So. I yes, I just don't reply um, when people <laughs> during games. <laughs> no, I know. Um, <laughs> it is unusual. So since I've started covering 2016, there have been a lot of of season openers that have been at times underwhelming. This team's only won two of the last seven. Yeah. Um, like when it, you mentioned that, I was like, okay, that's that's true. They always come out of the gate yeah. a little bit slow. So and I'm, which I think is largely because they don't play their starters as much as other teams in in the preseason. But I, I am trying not to overreact, like at all, um, because I do think that a little bit of patience with this group. But um, I know you were pretty concerned with what you saw on the field. Well, uh, the opening drive was basically 
BC comes out and just, so Stamps have the ball first, right? They go, they go down the field to get into field goal position. You think, okay, easy, quick, three points, get on the board, let's do it. And Renee misses that field goal, which was so uncharacteristic. It just like, he missed the first two. Yeah, he missed, and then they missed the next one. Yeah, so, so it was, it was, and then so BC runs out of the end zone. I'm like, ha ha, 15 yard line. Okay, pin him deep. Da da da. And they just went bam, 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 bam down the field, and it felt like okay. So Nathan Rourke was this phenomenon last year. The BC Lions don't look like they've dropped off at all, and they're. I felt like their offensive coordinator, who was a former stamps video coach back in the 2000s jordan maximic i think that's how you say his name but he's he's a brilliant offensive guy and he just had his his game plan ready to go and was like bam 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 like it just caught the stamps flat-footed you could see them just like well there's guys in motion the ball's getting there and vernon adams is just like pick 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 they're in the end zone wow okay and right from there i thought okay now that they're gonna have to figure this out and it took them so many, what did you say, three and a half quarters for the offense to just do something that felt like any creativity at all? Yeah. I mean, I think that lack of creativity is something that I've honed in on a little bit. Um, the play calling, to be honest, like it just it, they didn't take any risks. Like the, the yeah. risk reward, just that balance, what I didn't feel like was there. I felt like there were a lot of, like when they did pass, it was two or three yard yeah. passes when they tried to get yards after carry. I mean, when you have a, Reggie Bagleton um, out there, like he's going to get you those yards after carry. But I think it was Derek Taylor um, in Winnipeg was just like, this is boring to watch and not particularly well, effective. And it, what I what I saw from the Stamps offense was the same, like same plays every time. And it was, okay, you're not trying to get these guys in motion where the BC Lions offense was trying to hit the off, like hit your receivers in motion so they have a chance to continue going forward where it was like, okay, just curl, curl routes mm-hmm. on the, stamps all the time and then expecting okay yeah run up the field 10 yards turn around catch the ball yeah it's just it didn't it just felt stilted and then when kadeem carry goes out it's just okay well this team doesn't you know they couldn't pick it up there but obviously it would have been helpful to have mills on the roster but you can't do that in the cfl right it's that's the limitations with the cfl all this time yeah and i mean it's i i do question a little bit i mean by the time kadeem went out the stamps were down pretty considerably so i don't know how much they were going to run the ball yeah but that was their most effective plays like yeah (laughs) so i don't think you should get away from what you're doing but also you have to be a little bit more creative in getting the ball into your hands of your receivers now you i was watching a few different players and i didn't watch bagleton as much as but you you mentioned something i don't how he didn't didn't think he was you didn't think he was open downfield as much and i i don't felt like they were trying to get him the ball which was the well, so, okay do, so, so if we're gonna talk about the receivers like first of all I think that like a little bit of patience with malik henry I, I don't think malik henry had his best game he sort of i think he should have caught that sort of low pass right in the end zone right. um after the cam judge interception and he didn't catch it it was not an easy catch right. but it was one that you kind of want your star receiver to make um and i do think that like malik's not sort of not having his game greatest game through the offense off as a as a whole um is he supposed to be? He's, he's going to be one of your key members of this yeah. team, right? So, and then with Reggie, like I don't know that it was Reggie not getting open downfield so much as them not looking to it yeah. downfield. Like that was what was weirder to me. But I do again. I mean, everything I'm going to say comes down to the Stan Peterson saying this is week one, and yeah. like Jake didn't play in the second preseason game. Right? How was he going to get on the same page as his as his receivers? I'm not sure that that's like a reasonable expectation. Um, and then. Like so that that was sort of my thing on offense is just all looked disjointed. 
Um, I didn't think that the offensive line, well, I didn't think that the tackles looked particularly great. Um, I will say that like Zach Williams getting back in at left guard um, for this game, I think is going to make a, a huge amount of difference both in the run game and to be honest in the protection. Um, and then we're going to see a guy named Caleb Beninock. This is me. Like you're not a practice every day. So this yeah, is me getting no. very specific and I'm not asking you to have yeah. an opinion on Caleb Beninock. I don't have much of an opinion on him because I haven't seen him. You know, and, it, and it's bullets. hard for us to really judge offensive linemen, right? But yeah, you know, I mean, you see where the pressure is coming from. Um, and I like, you know, I think Hugh Thornton's shown that he can play. I think that there are the two tackle positions because Derek Dennis, who has retired, and we're going to get to that um, yeah. before we're done done here, obviously. But and then Julian Good Jones signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, so I think that those like two very important positions on the field yeah. where they are sort of I don't want to say they're making it up as they're going along, but they're trying new faces in there. And I think that, that that open competition can be good, but you also want stability at those positions because Jake needs his time. Yes. Um, and then those positions are big for the run game as well. So um, I, I did think that the O-line struggled. I think just to be honest, as a whole, I thought it was a bad game for the offense. Yes. Um, and and I, I think whatever was going on with Jake, just he just didn't have that oomph and confidence that you normally have seen from him when he's come in, especially when he's come in in the middle of games and mm -hmm. filled in. Uh, I felt like when well, it was two seasons ago when he first came into the to replace Bo, I thought this guy's got a lot of like. I think the, one of the first things you said about him was like that guy's not lacking confidence. No, but now I just what was there was just a few moments in that game where like if you're running like you got the ball, you, you got five yards to get first down, go for it. What is, where is his like? I don't know that he's trying to. And angle things too much. I maybe I'm just watched too much NFL and all these smash mouth quarterbacks and the Josh Allen types who are like, okay, I know well, I, I can go for that and get. And get you have on the other down. side Vernon, who is practically practically, practically uh, dancing yeah. through the defense. So there's yeah. a there's a pretty sharp contrast. And I think that you know, I get more emails than I want to admit um, from <laughs> from angry readers who who to be honest, like generally feel like I'm too easy on the Stampeders, which, you know, there may be something to that. But, you know, the, the argument that I hear most commonly, and this is dating back to probably like 2021 with Bo, was that like, okay, professional football has gone in a way where you need your quarterback to be able to pick up a couple yards on, yeah. on the ground. And that Bo wasn't, Bo didn't do that. Now, Jake did run later in the game. Like, I, I think he'll... Yeah, um, well, and I think they probably, probably went back to the sidelines and was like, hey, you got a wide open seven eight yards go down there and like slide exactly so th there was one play in particular i can't remember when it was but he saw that the opening was there and he stood he threw it to hack and who was covered and it was like you're not that that was a bad play like it was yep. just not a like the smarts head heads up type of thing and maybe that's coming from early season not getting enough reps and i think it's inevitable like the problem like I think one of the things that's happened is because of the way that the West semifinal went, where Jake did have the worst game of his career. Right. Um, also against the Lions, which is also the team you're going. Also against the Lions. It's now sort of two in a row where he's been underwhelming. Um, I think by and large, if you look at Jake's incredibly short career, he is yes. still still doesn't have, I don't think he has a full season of starts under his, no. under his belt. And this um, is the really first time he's ever been the starter. 100%. Like he, he had a, he came in and filled in for the last half of last year, but he was still Bo was right there. So no, oh, he didn't have a training camp as the starter. Yes. Um, so I think that like by and large, what is missing in some of the people who are willing to just completely dismiss Jake based on what they saw in week one and what they remember from the playoffs is that like he's been very good for most of his yeah for most of his time. And he, we're probably looking at it as comparing him against Bo Levi in the start of his career, where they just won and won and won and won and built up this 
resume of the highest winning percentage of any quarterback in history, but they, they did that with a very solid veteran team, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is not the same situation and we can't hold Jake to the standard of oh, Levi Mitchell in his first few years, because that was just unprecedented. Yeah. And I think that the challenge right now is when we talk about that standard, like we don't have a choice but to hold the Stampeders. And this is where you having, you know, been well, there since the start of the yeah. Huffnagel era, like the standard for the Calgary Stampeders has to be, that has to be first place, first yes, place, close to West final. You're probably going to the great cup. And, and that's the thing. Now it's been three pro- straight first round exits in the, for the Stampeders organization. They haven't won a playoff game since 2018. Yes. They haven't finished. So there, there's, there's definite, there's definite bud clenching and angst over at McMahon stadium because of that. And they may not, you know, I still look at them as okay since 20 so it's been 15 16 17 seasons they've been the best team overall. They've made the most great cup appearances, they won the most great cups. But, you know, when you you go 3 4 seasons without that, you start to feel that and that's why this week is important, honestly. You go into Ottawa, this is a team you should beat, you know, a team that looked lackluster on offense, so your defense should have a, a night of feasting and and I'm going to jump to the Ottawa game in a second. I do want to very quickly just as we before we move on from last week's game, I do yeah. want to say that I actually thought Trey Odom Stukes, um, he looked pretty good, was, yeah. was pretty good. Um, the type of possession slot guy you're you're looking for, exactly. Yeah. Um, the guy that the Stampeders offense relies on, and you know, I talked to Nick Lewis a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Look, man, like the Stampeders offense works when you have three receivers. Yes, like like going oh, yeah. at all the time, and um, the fact that like I just." have full faith in Lee Henry and Reggie Bagleton to get going. I think that they're elite yeah, American it, it receivers. It feels like they, they are not going to be in a trouble situation. There. Exactly. So as long as those guys, if, if Trey does what he did in week one and those guys also get their game together. Um, yeah. and, and again, I'm not actually implying that they were that bad, but no. it just, the numbers weren't there. Um, then yeah, I'm not, I have no real worries about the past game. And I also think that like people need to give BC a little bit credit for what they oh, did. 100%. Um, they were like they were aggressive on defense. Um yeah. and didn't take many penalties. No. They, like it was it was pretty impressive. Uh, I, for I a week one performance. Overall, overall BC looks like a very well coached like on the rise team who they had a star quarterback and they were like okay, we lost our star quarterback doesn't mean we're going to drop off and I think every I think they're enjoying the whole fact that people think oh well just because we lost Nathan Rourke from his one great half year mm-hmm. that they were going to somehow fall off the face yeah. of the earth. And they're not clearly. And, oh, they have a confidence in Vernon Adams, which I really like. I think Vernon yeah. Adams might be one of the, I have no idea. Look, let's be clear. This well, is me. I but mean, like, this was a few years ago when we were talking about Vernon Adams and Cody Fajardo were the next generation yeah. of stars. And all those team guys are in different spots. And I'm like, yeah, it's. And Vernon might be one of those guys who needs a coaching staff that's fully behind him. Yeah. And that, you know, has his back and builds the offense around him a little bit. And um, that's what I felt like when I was watching what Jordan was doing with that offense. Was like He knows what he has in Vernon Adams. And he's not going to ask him to do things he can't do. He's just going to have him do things he can't. Exactly. And he did them very well against the Stampeders. Quickly on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's really, really hard to evaluate the DBs. Um, yeah. There were, there were changes made at the last minute to that group. I also just honestly... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's week one, but man, Dominic Grimes might be the best receiver in the CFL. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He is absolutely exceptional and like high volume as well. Um, but like went up and over some pretty good Stampeders DBs. I'm not worried about them. What I do think I'm going to be watching incredibly closely is, is, is the defensive line. I have no worries about Mike Rose, but I will be honest with you. I didn't think Rodgers and Hauser um, necessarily brought the pressure the way that you would want from two guys who were brought in to replace Sean Lemon and Fuller and Ormolade, who we right. know are elite pass rushers. And I thought that that was missing. And you just, it, it, that that's one of the keys to the season. You know, they are paying James Waters to be a star. I'm not saying one game means he's not. No. But I'm saying that. But it, it could, like, he has been out of this league for a few years, and it is a difference out there. Yeah. you got to cover a lot more ground as a defensive end, especially when you're on the right side, right? So it's a, it's it's going to be, that you do understand, you would hope that they're, this week they will be getting after and focusing a little bit more with that. The I, I, I thought defensively they were fine. Like after that first drive against BC, they came back. They only allowed, they only allowed what, 18 more points the rest of the game. So it's not like they got blown away. That's no. And I mean, it's interesting. Like I, there are very few plays where I feel like I can say this, but there was, um, I believe early in the fourth quarter, the BC's last touchdown drive, Trey Roberson took a roughing the passer penalty on Vernon Adams, which was 100% the right call. If you watch that play, it Vernon, you can't tell if he's down. He is. It's right. the right call. Trey hit him late. But like it's not one of those ones where I think you're breaking down the film and yelling Trey Roberson be more responsible. And that cost him 15 yards. And effectively the Lions, four plays later, right. were in the end zone. And it did feel like that play was a weird turning point because Mike Rose had just sacked Vernon Adams. It was only first down. So, you know, right. I, I'm not saying the drive was dead, but it was one of those ones where it was like actually not. Like it might not have been a mistake, but was a penalty. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that and that's, if, if I'm a coach, I'm telling Trey Robertson, finish your tackle. Yeah. Finish your tackle. I couldn't tell if and sometimes things just go against you. And exactly. You, and you have to recover from um, them. But you're right. It turned out and then it felt like the nail was in the coffin and then it was done. Totally. Yeah. Um, but then we're looking ahead at Ottawa. Um, I'm gonna quickly just just um go over the few changes that we have um, on the depth chart here, which I'm not sure if we're going to be able to pull this up in post-production, but um, if not, I mean, look, the big one is Kadeem Carey is out. He's on the six-game injured list. He had a huge boot on his leg, so it was pretty clear what was happening. Um, I know that the Stampeders are relatively optimistic about him 
Um, not, not having the full six games? Not having the, like, I, I think they think it's possible. And the CFL currently, it's much easier than it used to be to pull yes. guys off the six game. Um, but stepping in is, is Dedrick Mills. And you, you have Peyton Logan. Those guys have both run for 100 yards in this league. They're yeah. in their second year. This is one of those weird ones where the superstar of your team, yeah. arguably, I probably mean, your best player right? is hurt. And you're maybe the not drop that off worried. is not going to be that difficult to replace. Yeah. And uh, both of those guys, especially Logan, I was very impressed with him on special teams. He is like, watch out for this kid. He just, he's yeah. going to have some big, big plays this year. And I and like, he just brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm to that unit too. He's so. small. He bounces. He's yeah. he's super quick. He hits holes hard. And what I like about that sort of combination with him and Mills, as well as that combination with him and Kerry, it's not like Kerry is not physical, but no. like Mills is so big and he almost like, yeah. I remember the first time that I watched him play, which I believe was against Ottawa last year. And he just said, he's like, my goal is to make sure guys don't like hitting me. Yeah. And he like, well, which would be the running back goal. Yes. Yeah. But like, <laughs> make it difficult. He like, that guy goes into contact, like saying like, we're both coming out of this. Yeah, this yeah. is like, you're not, you're not hurting me. I'm, I'm not, not hurting. You know what I mean? But like yeah. put in the pain. And so I'm not actually that worried about Kadeem Carey. No. Well, I mean, it's, it's a long season. <laughs> a few games off is not going to really hit. It's going to probably crush his overall numbers because he, he probably has looked at, I want a thousand yards this year and I want yeah. this and that. But again, you, you get he said few, he wanted to be MOP and I'll be honest with you. If he misses four games, I think it's that's very difficult to very do that, difficult yeah. to do that. I mean, you'd, I don't have wanna... to, you'd have to put up John Cornish type numbers. And yeah. And so that's the thing about the stamps should be a, like a run heavy team because of what the way they're built and they just weren't doing that in the first game. And obviously because of certain, certain circumstances, but now I look at what the game plan against Ottawa should be like, let's establish that. And as you mentioned, Mills likes playing Ottawa. <laughs> that yeah. was our first game last. And that I remember that game being very low scoring. The well, that was the game that Dickinson missed because he had COVID. So yeah. Mark Killam was head right. coach for that game. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, you say low scoring. I say that game was bad. Yes, hundred uh, percent. I was, was being kind. That game was the only good thing about that game. Was, was, uh, was the, was the, game. Was the final score seventeen three or something? Something like that. I don't. Yeah, I, to just, be honest, the CFL's stats don't work anymore, so it's really hard to go back and check what the score was <laughs> or how many yards a guy had. I like uh, it, my goal see, for this I, podcast would be able to back up my points with numbers, but um, the geniuses of genius sports have apparently. Um, decided that they're going to launch a like literally like let's just talk about it for one second and i don't even need you to respond they sent out this press release <laughs> and they were like they were like hey guys you're not going to have live stats fans sorry uh we're replacing our stats platform with a new stats platform and it's just taking it a little while longer than we thought but don't worry it'll be up soon it'll be worth it your job like like i guess your first like the first priority of your job as a professional sports league is to actually have professional sports. Your second priority is probably to have stats to explain what is happening. And they, they don't have it. It's like, explain to <laughs> me, like, I don't know. I've never built a data platform, but why do you have to take one down to replace it with another? Why not just keep the original up there until you're ready to launch the new one? I, I don't get it. Um, anyways, it's, I, I keep sort of critiquing my podcasting <laughs> as I go. This is might not be good podcasting because, like, of course, anyone in their right mind knows that it's stupid not to have stats. I, um, I 
it's just a huge step yeah. back. It felt like 20 some years ago so, that live stats came into CFL games and they had no problems because it was yeah, play it was by play. Probably like, 30 years after the invention of the internet when every other sports league had professional yes, had stats. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're going to say that last year's Stampeders Red Blacks game is 17-3. We don't know. <laughs> you cannot find that information anywhere? Oh, no. I could definitely Google like my own story from it. I was at the game in Ottawa. Um, okay. I'm, do you want? Okay, all right, I'll do no, it. No, you don't I mean, have to find it. You just, just vamp for a minute. We'll yeah. find the we'll find the score. <laughs> like, I used to, I used to love the the CFL stats guru because I would I would Steve Daniel he's a genius. It was seventeen. Look at that seventeen three. See, that's my memory. Yeah. Um, it comes up on Google. Thank you, Google, for right? figuring out how to keep <laughs> stats. But uh, I I used to come up with weird things for Steve Daniel to look up, and he I think he had a love hate relationship with me because he was a busy man. And I would ask him. So one time I was like, hey, what's the most amount of yards anybody's had without getting a touchdown? Because Nick Lewis had like 600 yards and he hadn't had a touchdown yet. And then he looked it up and the record was 796 or something by a Saskatchewan guy from the 80s. And then turns out Nick Lewis got a touchdown. Romby Bryant came through with 800 and some yards that year without getting a touchdown. Two guys on one team had almost 1,400 yards together with zero touchdowns. So that's hard to do. And I, Steve Daniels looked that up for me and found all the information I needed. That was just the type of stuff he would do. And, and now Steve is like, to be clear, if there's one person who's not the issue, it's Steve. <laughs> Steve Daniels is um, amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know who at Genius Sports is responsible for this. Um, they're the real enemy. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. You, you, uh, yeah. you have been making fun of Genius Sports since the Great Cup, where it was announced that they were bringing these guys on board, and then wouldn't tell us who they were or what they were going to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. which yeah. was always that was a Randy. Actually, that was a Randy Ambrosia special because he was like, "Well, here's our here's our big announcement at the commissioner's thing. We're bringing on Genius. Who who are these people? No, they're called Genius Sports." That okay. press conference like got me in trouble. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> um, you've never gotten in trouble before. No, because I. I specifically asked that you know what actually let's not this is the third episode i don't need to just like go into all of my fights with the you can CFL. blame me if you want I, i'm not even mad at the cfl for not having stats i'm mad at genius sports for not like for whatever is happening like it's just it's it's the one thing you need to do like imagine not being able to check it's a just, batting average well here's the thing baseball. it's like it, it affects you doing your job in covering this team and being accurate in, in your information. So yeah. And doing basic podcasting where I can reference the score from a game last year. <laughs> right. um, so anyways, let's, let's, let's move on from this little Danny Austin rant because okay, yeah, I just, I think it's great. And honestly, when genius gets those Nickelodeon cameras at, um, I think that's going to be, that's oh, going to okay. be, that's really going to change the, change the direction of the league so one thing i want to talk about record, maybe you don't just want to be to... clear on what that was referencing okay. when i did the interview with randy ambrosi his yeah. like, thing that he was really excited about was that like those they were putting up these like high-tech oh, cameras yeah. that were going to be so able that... to monitor everything and then they were going to be able to do the nickelodeon games oh so i'm um, so still could, waiting like on the, the big splash in the end zone yeah we don't have or... nickelodeon in canada so no, i don't, so I don't understand yeah. why we would actually yeah want who cares that. let's yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one thing being in the stadium as a fan the other night and I know you talked about this in your last show. It the the fan experience in McMahon Stadium is not great. When I was covering the team a decade ago, and this was before Hamilton and Winnipeg and Saskatchewan all had their new stadiums, people would say McMahon is garbage. It's the reason I don't want to go to games. And I'd be like, it's not even that bad compared to 
like the old crap in Winnipeg and Taylor Field in Regina and the old uh, Iverwind Stadium. And now, now that I've been to all those other stadiums, except for Regina, I've never been there, but and since well, the now one, you've been to Mosaic, now that you've been to Tim yeah, Hortons and Hamilton, now you've been to and Ottawa. Yeah. The, the Great Cup in Ottawa is fabulous. And the fan experience there is like you don't have to be in your seats to enjoy the game. There's very few places in McMahon where you can just lounge with people, have a drink so, and, and converse and then be able to watch. Step one to that stick. is Stamps House, which is the old red and white club. Yes. Um, I don't actually know how people get into that. I just walked I, up and showed my accreditation and they let see, me See, and I don't, I, yeah. I didn't try to get into that because I didn't know if I could get into it's that. It's awesome. It is yeah. a, it is a huge step forward. Now and that's, like, that's one of the things the team can do without having to revamp and put a new stadium in. Well, I mean, if the rumors are true and the dinos are moving out and into their own new stadium that they're building, that, that tells us a lot that the university team is leaving the stadium because it's not acceptable and the professional team is still there. Yes. It's also, this is the most deeply, like, I don't know what to say about this anymore because there's not going to be a new stadium coming. No. There's, Daniel Smith is not coming in with $200 million to just buy an election. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know that I should say that. Um, just to build, a new, <laughs> to, to build a new stadium. Um, the reality is, like, I think that the, everything that I have heard is that the last time that there was serious money that was sort of earmarked for uh, improvements to McMahon Stadium was when we were going to do the Olympic bed. Yes. Um, and that that was going to be a considerable renovation. Um, I do not believe that the ownership, like CFL revenues, especially when you're drawing 18,000 people, are yeah. not going to ever justify um, mass private investment in a stadium. You will not repay it. So if well, we accept that we're just not getting a new stadium anytime soon, and like I think that Calgarians and Stamps fans have to accept that. And I'm not saying it's good enough. I'm not saying yeah. like people should be happy with it, but what's the like what's the alternative is to sit here and just for the next 10 years just continue to moan about it like we've yeah, got to find no, creative I, solutions and it it's you know i i ran into somebody i hadn't seen for 15 years and we sat during the second half of the game and it's like you can't complain about the stadium it's we're sitting out in the sunshine having a beer and everything's great it's like yeah but we're older football fans right mm -hmm. it's the younger generation that you want to bring in and you got to try and get them in somehow and i know that end zone seating thing that was a part of that mm -hmm. but you just don't have a concourse thing like the the rum hut or whatever the one in, in yeah. the pilsner zone in saskatchewan you just don't have that like little party atmosphere now maybe you can fix that somehow in in here in calgary i don't know but i actually enjoyed the having nobody in the stands because i went and sat in four different premium seats over four quarters and i think we're gonna see incremental so, improvements and that's what we can ask for i do i think that um stamps house was the first step yeah. um like it's so i don't know I, I i hate on some level like i just have so much sympathy for the people like who aren't they're not gonna be the ones paying for a new stadium they're not gonna be the yeah. ones like it's these people who are really trying hard and i i don't know that the money's there um what i would hope um, my problem is this i think when you go to an arena or a stadium and it is that empty it was half empty yeah it makes you as a casual fan less likely to go back yes the thing that makes you want to go to a stadium is when it's bumping and bumping and, and you feel and like i don't know like I'm, I'm not trying to like be a therapist here but i think it makes me feel when i'm at something that's packed yeah like like i got the special ticket like i'm a vip for being in, in the stadium this is right. awesome everyone wants to be where i am yeah. and then when you go to a place where there's no one you almost feel like you're like oh man yeah, yeah i don't i don't want to be 
one of the last ones left. And the hardcore the fans won't feel the that way. Yeah. The hardcore fans won't feel that way. Right. But that's what I I hope that this is not, you know, you want to see the well, the ball start rolling in the other direction. People yes. having such a great time. People coming from a cavalry game and saying, oh, my God, I had such a great time. That yes. was awesome. I'm going to bring all my friends next time. That's what you want. And I just hope that, you know, these media outlets that don't cover the Stampeders but decided to write stories on the low fan yeah. attendance. Well, and it was an easy negative story. to. It's jump an easy on. negative story to jump on. And it's just like, it bothers me a little bit. And I think like the team deserves better. I certainly think on the football side, they've been doing the right things for a long time. And to be honest, under Jay McNeil, I'm, I'm really impressed with the steps that they are taking. Yeah. Um, I was at the fan forum with John Bender in, in May, had a blast there. Really, really felt like seeing that energy, seeing them reach out directly with fans. But now it is a matter of connecting Yes, with the new generation and with younger people, and to be honest, with like different communities beyond um, just white people on some yeah. level. Um, the only thing is that like we've been having these conversations for seven years since I've been covering the team at the very least, right. and like I think yeah. it's just hard. And I'm not a marketing expert, but um, look, next week's the Riders, right? Well, and like, that's the thing. So, so get twenty seven thousand. When you when you look at when you look at the first opening game on a Thursday night. In the middle of school June. night. Well, and June is just tough. And anybody who has kids knows that June is the busiest month of the year. And it just is. There's so much going on. I managed to be like, okay, no, I'm going to go to the game. Like I had to make, like, I'm going to this game because I wanted to. And you look now like, okay, Thursday, it was a bad night. It was super hot out, but it just didn't feel like a perfect time for it. And it was earlier than everybody expects. And I hear so many weird, stupid things. Also, was that I, not the I, earliest game in the year in Calgary St. Peter's history? I, I think so. This is why when I hear all of these, there's, there's. When people tell me, it was like, the Great Cup's got to be a month earlier. And I'm like, well, that means you got to move the season a month earlier to start. None of those and people want, who make that no, argument will hear the counter arguments. Yes. Like they, they are just like, oh, the weather's bad. That's the only thing that matters. Move the Great Cup forward so that it's in early November or late October. Yeah. If you live in Calgary, you know that early November and late October is no guarantee that the weather's it's better great. anyways. Yeah, it's not, it's um, a crap and we are conditioned to watch football in the fall and early yes. winter. So, yeah. and we're not conditioned to watch it in May and June. And fr well, frankly, and maybe I don't, you can shorten the actual CFL regular season with a 10th team if they could ever get one, but well, they've added in these bye weeks So right now you have to wait till the NFL draft is complete before you can start your process of going to camp and everything. So there was not any early, this is the earliest you could actually do it in the great cups in mid November this year. So anybody who's complaining about that, it, it has moved back a little. It's not on the week of American Thanksgiving, which is where, where it always used to be. So I couldn't anyway, even it, it just, it just felt like, okay, so that was your opening game on a Thursday night. But as you said, next Saturday night, it's the riders in town, primetime game. It's going to, I would hope that we're going to get that 27,000 yeah. and it's going to be busy and like get that momentum back. It would certainly help if the Stampeders beat the Red Blacks yes. uh, on Thursday and get back to one and one. I don't think that, oh, and two, I think people are going to panic. Do you think they are right to panic if the Stampeders lose to the Red Blacks on Thursday night? Uh, no, because I think then you look at the next week, riders are going to come in here probably own, or they'll be one and one. Right. So yep. they beat Edmonton. I felt like that was an, a loss because they should have lost that game. I, it's unbelievable how 
Edmonton can't stop stumbling over their own feet. It's ridiculous. They're getting closer. They're getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> they have 32,000 in the stands. We do genuinely applaud that. It yes. is good to see. If well, you care about Canadian you football. You can't punch it in from the five-yard line. So just... You know, they're not the first way. team to not be able to do that. No, I, I know, but it just felt like there was a little bit more riding on it for that team than anyway. Anyway, uh, no, it's not going to be a dire situation, but you don't want to start 0-2 and we have a must win against the Riders in week I'm three. I'm pretty sure it's Winnipeg up after that. Yeah. you have a bye week sandwich somewhere in there. So Yeah, the, they're the long weekend by, and then they're on the road. for So they're going to be gone for another month between their first between the rider game and the I know yeah. not being on the road is great right uh, <laughs> <laughs> really tell me how you really feel Danny yeah, I think it's awesome uh yeah I used to travel a lot and it was yeah, yeah it was good fun I'm not gonna talk about it uh <laughs> <laughs> you talked about yeah, it I, I honestly I do think that it is a little bit um if, if they come out and the offense doesn't look better yeah. Um, against a Red Blacks team that, like, you know, there's no bigger fan of Nick Carbuckle as a person than me. Yeah. I don't think he looked very good in week one. Um, you know, Dave Dickinson is always complimentary of the other team. Even he said, he's like, the thing with Nick is he's streaky. Yeah. He gets hot, he's hot, but he sometimes gets cold. If I respect this Ottawa team, I think that their defensive line is absolutely elite, which worries me against the Stampeders line that didn't yeah. look great. Um, but if they if they lose this game and are 0-2 couple tough west division the game's going up i i think you have to begin to worry because well bc yeah. showed me enough and it like i recognize that they were head to head so it's easy to say oh one team's good one team's bad right and i don't like it's probably a little bit that, that's oversimplifying things but the reality is i mean i'm not sure the thing is there will probably be a crossover this year like I think yeah that, there generally it, is there wasn't last year right um no no and but i but just i don't think montreal or ottawa are really good enough to to sort of push, I think Hamilton and Toronto should be okay um, for one, two there. But so there's there's possibility, and if there's a crossover, like you're just not going to be as bad as Edmonton. Yeah. But like I, I do genuinely like begin to begin to wonder if you're zero and two to start the year. Well, and here's the thing: if they look better on offense, they put up some points, uh, and then they lose a close game, you probably wouldn't be as panicky. But if they come out and like are if they get beaten two or three phases again in serious fashion and they don't show any type of life or creativity or I want to see some creativity on offense. I'm like, I, I just feel like that's where the league is, has to go. Yeah. You have to push the envelope. And I know it's early in the year and you're still working things out, but do try these things at least. Yeah. And I think I, I should probably, when I say like, Oh, I'm worried. I, I may have, overstated that a little bit like i'm not panicking yeah. if i'm well, a they, they came out fan and stumbled out of the gates in 2021 yeah and, and very impressively bounced back yes. um had a bye week their their coaches got together it's a it's a cool story how that actually happened yeah um and so yeah i'm not saying panic i'm not saying they're gonna miss the playoffs i'm not saying that necessarily no. but like i didn't like what i saw no. in week one um and i don't think dave dickinson liked what he saw i think he was pretty Huh, that was distressing. That's not that's not really what we want. And it's just the fact that there were just the passing game being off is one thing. It's when you're not putting pressure on the opposing QB. It's when your offensive line doesn't quite look right. And I, I'm actually not saying the entire offensive line, but there were just a, there was just enough there that you were like, something should some of these things should be clicking. Yes. These are important parts of the game. Yeah. Um, so you know this is going to be dropping Thursday morning. So there's a good chance that a lot of people who 
you know, listen to this, we'll possibly listen to it after the after the game, at which point we may look like I, I may look like an idiot because the stamps may come out and, and have they, just needed they, those extra couple of days of practice. Well, and, and would we not be we wouldn't be surprised if they win 17-3 again like they did last year and it you know the stamps defense completely manhandles the yeah. red blacks offense, which is kind of waiting for Jeremiah Mazzoli to come back in and take that mantle, right? Arbuckle yeah. is He's got to do something in these games where he's getting this chance to play before Mazzoli comes back. Because he's always the starter, either way. He's not going to. No, I know, Mazzoli. but again, his his value couldn't be any lower after. Yeah. Kind of the tumultuous couple of years he's well, had leaving Calgary, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's, and I I, I feel bad for Nick Arbuckle. I, I don't think he's had an easy ride here um, in the CFL at all since he left Calgary. But I I, I want him to succeed. I. I I like the dude. He's great to cover. Yeah. But, you know, you're not seeing it. But I will say that across the league, um, there wasn't a whole lot of great quarterbacks. There wasn't a whole lot one. of great. Let's, let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> it was Zach Kalaros and, you know, a little bit of flashes maybe. Uh, uh, Vernon. Vernon Adams. And yeah. then, you know, maybe Cody Fajardo looked good for a I mean, little like, bit, but he took way too many sacks as he always does. And then uh, it's like every, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell struggled and, yeah, Bo did not look good. Um, and I mean, it just it felt like yeah. you know, and I don't, I don't. Saskatchewan and Edmonton, they both have their problems. So, well, and it's it's the funny thing is like when I tried to do sort of like preseason power rankings or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'll hey Vernon Adams, you made me eat my words here. I like <laughs> I I had BC pretty low because I just didn't. I to be honest, I was like, okay, there's Zach, mm-hmm. and I was like, I think Bo will 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 be pretty decent. I like what that coaching staff like. I like how it caters to its quarterbacks in in a lot of ways. And then I thought Jake, and I still think Jake's like I. I don't want to overstate. I do not think Jake is a bad quarterback, and I, I think he no, had a, he had I a bad there's game. A, and, there's a lot there, yeah. and I just like I just want to see him regain that confidence that he came in with a couple after, years ago. Yeah, but after that, like I genuinely was like, I'm not sure that anyone like I, I like Trevor Harris, but I just don't really trust that that Riders team. Um, you know, Cornelius has got bailed out by his receivers. To yeah, like, he's got good receivers. And that's the thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we don't. But and then we're we sitting here. Quarterback, we got receivers like that. It's like you still yeah. need somebody to put it in the proper area. Yeah. And I want to be clear. This is actually not something that I'm like going hard on the CFL about. There was there were a couple like threads last week about how the Argos don't play until this Sunday. Yeah. And it's like I want to be clear. Like if I was the schedule maker, I would have the Great Cup champion opening the season every year. Yeah. Like the first game would be against their rival, or maybe even a Great Cup rematch. Yeah. Wait, or it, it, ten years ago, they used to do that. To be honest, I don't so, actually think it like. The Grey Cup rematch is a fun idea that I think has happened a lot, and I like that. Honestly, I just think that they should be they, they should be the first team to play. Yeah. Um, at the very least, play on that opening weekend. But like, it's very funny that like I have no idea if the Toronto Argonauts are any good. No. Like, I mean, we, we will, have, and we won't know until all other teams. We will have had seven games <laughs> played. <laughs> so, um, yeah. before the Argos, and like that's I swear on my life, this is so six other teams will have played eight two games already yes by the time um and there again it's like i don't know how good chad kelly is i i just have no idea um and it, it makes it interesting but also um you know quarterback play is important and is important to sort of the growth and, and the health of the league so yeah. i am hoping I, um, i'm crossing my fingers that this is a going to be a yeah good story it is also you know the the, the counterpoint to that is like i feel like you and I are smart enough to know that week one is always terrible. <laughs> yes. And it, like we, all of this. We used to call it preseason yeah. week three. The last so, 45 minutes that we have been doing on this podcast 
is like the huge caveat that it's like it's week one it's always bad yeah it's all <laughs> and that's the thing it's still preseason yeah it's still like they're still getting ramped up where they play four preseason games in the nfl i am very quickly gonna say um i'm gonna pull up week two before we finish there are three other games this weekend there's winnipeg saskatchewan there's edmonton bc and then there's hamilton toronto uh pick one what's the game that you'd be telling people is the game of the weekend well it's not calgary ottawa so no it's not uh winnipeg saskatchewan because that's that's in saskatchewan and it's just before labor day you it's one of those ones where it's like anytime that edmonton and calgary play before labor day everybody crows about it and this seems like you, they got to play three times this year so they, they play labor day in the banjo bowl and in, in week two so i that's just going to be one that I will enjoy watching because I, I, I want both of them to lose, but <laughs> well, I mean, but I just, I just, as, and I think you said, also the measuring stick. Right? They are. And every, every team is going to, is going to get up for their best game against the yeah. Winnipeg blue bombers. Now Saskatchewan coming off a win where they probably could have easily given that game away and didn't. So are they going to get a little bit of boost from that? They need to fix a lot of things. I think they came out of that going, we've got as many problems as we do solutions right now. So they'll be working on it. And then Edmonton and um, in BC, Edmonton's had terrible, terrible outings in BC lately. And so you, after the way the Lions looked here in Calgary, you're like, okay, well, maybe they, but Chris Jones, I think he's is going to have that team. Like, so they're let's, be let's get our stuff. They're going to be prepared. Here. And then Hamilton, Toronto, like which game do I want to watch the most? Probably Hamilton, Toronto. That's the thing. So there's a lot weirdly at stake there. Like I think Hamilton is going to feel like they need to win that yeah, game. Another pre Labor Day game against yeah. each other. So, but I mean, they also played what four times in five weeks last year. So yes, figure that out. Right. Um, and we, and we, yeah. I really want to sit down and see what, like what, uh, what the Thai cats are going to do with, Mitchell and that offense and see if they can start yeah. to figure it out. You don't want to follow in two. No team wants to follow nope. in two. The road back from own two is, is a long one. It's not, I'm not saying that it means not. that you're buried alive, but um, you know, it's that's, that's a big game for the tie in the same way that Calgary Ottawa is a big game for Calgary. Um, but I also like, it's a big kind of the Argos, man. It's fascinating. <laughs> By week and week one is a nightmare. I don't know why. Right. I, why it was there's given, no way to do actually, it. Actually. And here's the it. thing. The Toronto Argonauts had the best week of anybody in week one. And I don't know if you saw their little garden party where they all got their rings and massive cigars and had a an absolute blast. It looked like a lot of fun down there in Toronto. Yeah. So they probably had their best week. I'll like see if they can if they're still hung over from that. I have a feeling they're not. But um, <laughs> Ian, man, this has been awesome. Thank you so so much for joining. And, I appreciate uh, we're gonna, it. Uh, we're hoping to do this as as much as possible because I like having a co-host so I can bounce. Uh, my ideas off and uh we don't. i'm a wealth of useless information and you know <laughs> uh thank you so much ian um that's kind of gonna be that i again really want to thank charleston hughes for coming on um absolute calgary st peter's legend calgary legend cfl legend um you know it's one of the best in the business the guy i really do hope we get to see again uh also thank you to ian busby uh came on chatted all things to answer us for a long time um you know that guy my job before i did and uh, has been a great help to me and a mentor so i really appreciate it we intend on having him on um many many times we are going to be back sunday for monday um and that's that man thank you for watching live from the 155.